Welcome to Noah's Natter, your podcast for casual Christian conversation. We welcome you back to Noah's Natter. We are in Psalm 40, and today we're going to pick up in verse number 9 and go down through verse number 12. We're just taking this verse by verse and having a casual conversation about it. And so I'm going to let easy reader of all readers, the reader of readers, read here. And Mr. Brent Allen is going to start in verse 9 and read down through verse 1-2. All right. As we read together, I have Ad proclaimed pro- glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me, so that I, so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. A lot more numerous than the hairs of my head, because there are none. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Amen. Amen. All right. So we see David is the one who writes this psalm. We've talked about that before. And so David continues um, talking here. He says, I have proclaimed glad tidings. I, I hear that glad tidings of righteousness, and I think of one New Testament word, the gospel. Right. You know, good tidings the good of great news. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's kind of an interesting. Um, and, it, of course, he says in the great congregation, I could turn around, and I know that's not talking about the church, but really he's talking about the whole context of the whole people around him. Right. You might say the world. could be argued the world. So that's what that's what the church is to do with the gospel. Right. We're, We're to, supposed to claim it to the whole world. Right, right. So so because, well, I think when we were talking about this a little bit earlier, the, it says in, I don't remember what the scripture is, but it says that the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So... Uh, the whole world is his his congregation. Right. We should be proclaiming his his praises everywhere. Right. Right. Exactly right. And uh, looks like David was kind of excited about doing this. You know, I mean, there was some. There's a zeal there. He says, "Behold, I will not restrain. I'm not going to hold back. That is to keep a cap on, keep a lid on. Right. To to even. I think the idea here of this this word. I think if you look at it, is the idea of a animal trying to run like a horse. But you're pulling back on the reins, try to keep him from, you know, just losing control, so to speak. And so this is David. He's not. He's going to let go of the reins, so to speak. Right. Yeah. He's not going to try to control. He's just going to let the praise flow. Yeah, I think it's good advice for us. And in, in, in today, uh, growing up in church, I've, I've seen all kinds of people in worship. And of course, you can't judge just by what you see. But I've seen people that I thought at times were probably kind of restraining themselves from praising the Lord like they wanted to, but they allowed the fear of people or fear of their religious tradition not do that. Keep them from it, yeah. Right, kind of like quenching the Holy Spirit even, like I'm talking, you know. Have you ever seen people like that? yeah, yeah. And then I've seen people who are kind of like David who are unrestrained, you know, and uh, nothing wrong with that. uh, You know, it's it's of God. It's not going to embarrass you. It's not going to draw attention to you. It's going to bring glory to God. 
And uh, so there's a healthy balance that needs to be achieved there. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I don't know. Of course, you may know when this was written compared to when David. I'm, I'm thinking about when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back, you know, and he delivered and danced. You know, it says he danced before the Lord, you know, and you got people making fun of him, and he says, it doesn't matter if I look like a fool or not. Right. right. I'm doing what the joy, the delight of my heart is. Right. You know, and his own wife, who was Saul's daughter, made fun of him. Right. That's You yeah. know, Michael made fun of him for doing that, you know, and I think sometimes that's why people, I'll use that example, talk about somebody not praising the Lord in public worship out of fear. You know, whether it be raising the hand, saying amen or whatever, uh, uh, clapping their hands as they did in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because there's a Michael up in the window, quote, unquote. Yeah. Somebody like that, that or that they perceive that. Yep. You know, maybe it's even somebody that's just invented in their own mind. Sure. Uh, but they're not going to respond the way David, they let it, they cow to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. And, and that's uh, not the way it should be. But a lot of times that's the way it is, you know, and... We ought not to let anyone, a unbeliever, a believer that's carnal, or our the world, flesh, the devil, all of that. We ought not let any of that keep us from praising the Lord. You know, Jesus, uh, when he was carrying the cross, he made a mention of the fact that if the if the people didn't praise the Lord, the very rocks would cry out right. and praise him. So we we are to we are to praise the Lord with all that's within us. All that's within you us. Know. Yeah. From. And it comes from the joy that's within our heart. Right. The delight. The delight. That's what he starts. Uh, that's what he ends verse 8 with. I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart because he's got God. He's got God's word written within him and it's active and living in our lives. It should outwardly, we should be able to outwardly express how we feel. Which is the excellent next thing he says. He said, yeah. I've, I've not hidden. Your righteousness within my heart. So that which he delighted in, he wanted people to see that for the sake of God, not for the sake of seeing him. Right. For the sake of seeing that the difference that the Lord's word and the Lord himself had made in, in this psalmist's life. He says, I've not hidden your righteousness. That means living rightly according to what you said. Right. You know, I've not put it, bottled it up inside, but I, I'm doing this as a public display of your work on me and in me and through me and that. Yeah, because I've been able to do this, because you have enabled me to do this, because because of that, I'm going to outwardly express my gratitude for that. Right, that's called praise and worship. Praise and worship, yep. And I've spoken of your faithfulness and salvation. We still need to speak of the Lord's faithfulness and salvation. That's right. And I think sometimes we, in church, we think sometimes, well, that's the pastor's job. Yeah, that's the pastor's job to do that. He does that when he stands up in the... uh, behind the podium or whatever the case may be. That's his job. He gets paid to do that. You know, I only have to do that if I'm called upon or whatever. Uh, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do that during my normal course of life. Well, that's just not biblical. Right. You turn to a verse you're thinking of back there? Uh, I'm trying to think of where it is, but there's it may be in uh, Ephesians, Philippians. I can't remember, but it's basically Paul is talking about, you know, when we come together as a congregation, uh-huh. there's certain things we should do. You know, we should come together and we should share psalms, hymns, songs of praise, thanksgivings. Right. All of those things as a congregation, that's what we should do together. And why should we do that? Because it's out of the fullness of our heart. Because God deserves the glory for it and the praise for it. 
right. for sure. But it's all of our responsibilities. What I'm saying, right? It, I don't. I don't know that. Um, I don't know that it was ever appointed. Uh, it. I mean, it does say that we should be reading the word. That we should be uh, constantly giving testimony. But those testimonies don't just come from pastor, like you're saying. It's, right. It, 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 we're all responsible for that. You know, it's not just not just collective. It's not you collectively or the pastor collectively. It's all of us. Right. It's in Ephesians five, is yeah. where it is. Okay. So I thought, but five nineteen. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, you know, growing up, I was a pastor's kid, so I've seen that all my life. You know, uh, as a child first, and then as becoming a preacher early in my or late in my teen years. Uh, been in church all my life to see that kind of that very thing you know um and it's i guess it goes on now probably more than it did when i was a kid i don't think it's gotten any better is my point no so we are told there go ahead and read that ephesians yeah. 5 19 or 18 5, 9, 5 18 19 says uh, uh, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another this is in a church context Correct. it was psalms hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Right. Out of the joy of the heart. Right. You know, there are people that read that very verse and say, well, you know, there are no, this is New Testament, this is a church, but there are no instrumentation, no instrumentations put there. So we're not supposed to have instruments in church, which I think is is carried that wrongly but anyway right that's uh, the wrong that's, context yeah that's not but, has yeah. nothing to do with what he's saying there right. uh, but this is really a, i think the last part of that verse is really the key what's going on in your heart exactly the psalmist that wrote this says somewhere else he's put a new song in my heart that's right and the way that manifests itself can be in a physical vo- vociferous song in the outward expression that's it yeah. you know because i mean how am I ever going to hear that song if you're not vocalizing it? When the Steelers score a touchdown and you get hey, and you get excited, how do you? It's because of something on the inside of you felt good, right? Right. My eyes don't water, and I because because I'm holding in my excitement. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. No, I'm, I'm yeah, you yeah, know, whatever, yay, or whatever yeah. the word may be. Right. Exactly. It's the same. And this is more important than any <laughs> football game or any kind of other right. uh, entertainment. Yeah. Uh, this is eternal matters. These are eternal matter, matters. And yet here. in the church, we sit on our hands. <laughs> we like the frozen chosen. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I and, uh, like that. <laughs> uh, he goes mm-hmm. on to say, I've not concealed. I just says I, hadn't, I haven't hidden your righteousness, and I delight to do your will. He says, I have not concealed your loving kindness. That's a Old Testament word for mercy. Mm-hmm. All right? Which means mercy not getting what you deserve. And your truth from the great congregation. So he's been a display not only in his, I think, both in his voice and in his actions of God's mercy and God's truth. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing to bring up. Is that not only is it should should it be expressed uh, in our actions or in our emotions, but also in our actions, the way that we live our life should be the same way that we praise and worship right right you know here where it says loving kindness let's talk about that being the word for mercy sometimes grace but mercy yeah you know over in the uh, matthew 5 it says blessed are those who are merciful for they shall find mercy, mercy. 
Yeah. You know, so that's New Testament concept for sure also. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and that's talking about it, like you say, being lived out towards someone, you know. Right. Happy, happy is the person who shows mercy, for they'll be shown mercy. Yes. You know. Yeah, that's what he started verse 4 with. Blessed is the man. Yeah. Yes. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. So this is a play on words here. David said, I haven't withheld your mercy and truth. I haven't withheld your righteousness. And so, God, you're not going to withhold your love for me. Your mercy, he goes on to say, your mercy and your truth will continually preserve me. All right? So, man, that's an interesting concept right there. All right? As David is showing God's mercy and, and truth, God behind the scenes is continually showing David mercy and truth. He's, he's a conduit. That's the word. Yeah, there you go. He's a conduit for the mercy. It's coming from God to David, David to the God. congregation, to everybody else. That's right. Yeah. And there's a lot more than mercy and truth. These are just two examples he's using. Right. I think love, you know, joy, well, the all of the spirit. spirit. Yeah, yeah, all of yeah. those. And certainly all of that comes to bear in worship specifically, you know. Right. Uh, but also outside the worship context. Yes. You know, in the world context, it goes there too. Right, so, exactly. He says, for evils beyond number have surrounded me. The world's a bad place. Sinful place, dark mm-hmm. place. He said, but my iniquities have overtaken me so that I may not be able to say. Sometimes sin gets the best of us. It does. You know, even though we have these things available to us from God when we, because of our own choice, I mean, it's not that God does it, right? No. No. Uh, we can get to bad spot. <laughs> That's right. You know, to put it easy. I mean, to put yeah. it, to put it. And uh, so, what's the, what's the, what does it mean to to commit an iniquity? What's the difference in iniquity and sin? Well, there's obviously different opinions on that, but iniquity means to bend, right. and I think particularly it means to bend away from God. Right. Uh, some argue that that uh, of the three main words in the Bible. Of sin, transgress, or trespass, and, and iniquity. And iniquity yeah. Says iniquity is the worst because it seems to be a deeper type of uh, wrong. Of, uh, of, it's a pointed move away. Yeah. Kind of. And it's in your heart, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so the only one that can straighten that bend is Jesus. What he does, he does more than straighten, he straightens it, pointing away from God, and he points us to God. Right. So he takes that iniquity and he uniquitizes it. And I know that's not a word, but <laughs> the concept is what he does. Yeah, you know? right. And so if it's a sin, we miss the mark, then he puts us on the right mark. If, right. if we transgress, he brings us back into line with what God would have yeah, us to do. He puts us back on the right side of the fence. Exactly. That's what transgression is. Exactly right. Yeah. And so, uh, so David's talking about the worst kind of sins. You know, they've mm-hmm. overtaken me. And, and that's it, usually what it does. Right. And I'm not going to throw rocks at him, but his examples in the Bible, and they are for our example, he arguably committed two of the worst sins that a Christian, some might say, could commit, right. being adultery and murder. Mm-hmm. And God bent him back to himself, you know, forgave him. Right. And if God will do that for David, he'll do that for anyone, right. you know. Right. So yeah. I think that's very interesting. They're more numerous than the hairs of my head. So he's not talking just about one here, one or two there. <laughs> he yeah. says, and my heart has failed me. You know, he's – I think he was disappointed. He was convicted. Yeah, he's convicted. He's uh, shameful of his sin, I think. You know, that's that's what I, I think it kind of gets to. Um I think of when James says, you know, about our sin, and he says that we should weep and mourn over it. 
Yeah, instead of parade it and instead be proud of, of it. it. Yeah, exactly. That we should we should be be miserable. That's what he says. Be miserable and mourn. Yeah, yeah. you know. I've and then draw near to God. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I just in the days in which we live, I, I see few people, and I mean by that all people, Christians included. Uh, people that are miserable about their sin. I don't see that very often. No. You know, no. Uh, and if a person has gotten to that point, it's usually because the consequences of a sin has brought them to that crisis point in their life. Right. It's not because of the sin itself. No. Not because of the sin they committed. It's right. just because of the consequences that they're having to deal with because of that sin. Yeah, or it could even be simply because they got caught in the sin. That's you know? Yeah, that's true, Not too. because of the the offense toward God or anything. You know, right, so. yeah. I think that that's a very important point to make. Yes. Are you going back to James there? I was. I was going to make sure. I, um, yeah, he says, uh, don't you know? Well, this is the things that he's telling to avoid. Why? Because of our uh, our pleasures that wage war against us, you know, right. our own temptations. Um, we lust. We commit murder. Uh, we're envious. We fight and we quarrel, you know. And then he says, that we're adulteresses. We can't be one and one or the other. We've got to be either enemies of God or enemies of the world, one or the other. Right. Dr. Tony Evans has a sermon based on that verse, and one of the things he says in that sermon is, loving too ain't easy to do. You know, you can't love the world and love God at the same time. You'll And Jesus made that very clear. Yeah, you ever uh, ever watched uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama? Is that the, the, the one with the blonde-headed girl in yeah, it? her dad, the great Earl Smooter. He made this. <laughs> he made this statement to her one time. He said, "He said, Sugar Bean said you can't ride horses with two, with one. Can't ride two horses with one behind." I got you. I'm gonna <laughs> put it easier than what he did, but that's, right. that's kind of the same. <laughs> I got you, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, that's that girl it. Yeah. There. yeah, yeah. I, it's been a long time. I saw that movie when it first came out. Yeah, but I don't. I didn't remember the quote. That's that's a f- funny quote. That, <laughs> but yeah, you know. Because you've got to make a choice, you know. Jesus was clear yeah. about that. You've got to have, you got to love one, you'll hate the other. Cling to one, you'll despise the other. Right. Yeah. Verse six of James four says, "But he gives a greater grace, loving kindness." Mm. You know. Therefore, it says, "God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Be miserable and mourn, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will He will exalt you. He's the one that lifts us up out of the miry clay right. that He began with. Right. You know, twice in those last verses you read there, He talks about humbling yourself. All right. Do you know nowhere in the Bible does it suggest that we're to ask God to humble ourselves? We are right. never we are never told to pray for humility. No. In all the ones that I'm aware of, it's especially in the New Testament, it's a command by God, humble yourselves. What that means we is have to that, be delivered. Yeah, he is not gonna be he's not gonna be involved in that. Right. This is a surrender of our free will to him. And this is this is one thing that we can absolutely say God's not gonna help you with. And so you can't say, Well, 
Uh, Philippians 4.13, I am going to be humble and Christ will give me the strength to do that. No, it's not right. No. That, that doesn't fit. Don't fit. No, but you've got to humble yourself. So the first one he mentions, humbling yourselves before God and resisting the devil. A lot of people, it's one of those verses that misquote. You know, sometimes they misquote Proverbs 16.18, mm-hmm. where it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, spirit before a fall. People misquote that and they'll say, pride goes before a fall. That's not what that verse says. No. That's one of the misquoted verses in the Bible. And this one over here in James 4, two, uh, four whatever the verse was, they leave out that first step. They said, all i got to do is resist the devil and he'll flee from me. Uh, you got to humble yourself in the, uh, under the mighty hand of God. And not only will he, God, exalt you, but it, that's the only time you'll ever resist the devil. If you're not humbling yourself before God and letting the Holy Spirit take over control, your flesh is never going to resist the devil on its own. You cannot do it. You can have no capacity. No. So that all works together. Yeah, so. that's good stuff. That is good stuff. That, that might even make a sermon somewhere. Yeah, it might could. Preaching. Yeah. <laughs> Preaching somewhere. Yep. Um, but anyway, I, I think that that is interesting. Um, so either way, the psalmist had a lot of had a lot of iniquities that have taken over him. Because he says this year, they're more numerous than the hairs of my head. And I think it goes beyond the Bathsheba sin, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. He may be talking about his whole lifelong experience. I think and, so. I, and I don't like to say, I don't know at what point in his life this was written, no. young, young or old. You almost have the idea that at least he's lived some life, you know, he's yeah. been around he's for a while. Thinking, thinking back about all the times that he's maybe failed, you know, because we've probably done that. Oh, yeah, no doubt I have. I guarantee that. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that I can't always say that I've proclaimed glad tidings, that I've <laughs> not hidden his righteousness, right. I've not concealed. I think times I've done the opposite of that. Yeah. And I think there's been times when I've done this. You oh, know? Yeah. So uh, for any consistency to be yeah. gained here is really – you got to stay connected to the Lord. you got to get in His Word. That's right. That's Holy Spirit to that's flow. The, that's the major thing. So we've got one more section in this uh, in this text, and we'll uh, be looking at that next time uh, on our last episode in this chapter, or in this song. We'll begin back in verse number 13 next time. Join us next time on Noah's Natter. We're always your place for Christian, for casual Christian conversation. I'll get it right one of these days.